Optinary's hosts and guests are not registered financial advisors. All opinions are Cryptonary's alone. Nothing discussed in the podcast should be considered as investment advice or should be relied on upon investment decisions. This podcast is purely for information and entertainment purposes only. Now I've said all this, let's go. Welcome to the Cryptonary podcast. Today I'm here with Frank and with Bill. Frank is a validator on Solana. He has his own uh, company, Genesis. It's a very interesting company. You should check out their uh, Twitter, their Instagram. I'll leave it uh, down below. And we're going to talk about how it is to be a validator, what the difficulties are on Solana, but also what the benefits are on Solana from being a validator. And I'm with our uh, Solana researcher, Bill, to assist me in the conversation. I hope you enjoy the podcast and leave some feedback uh, down below. Hey, Frank and Bill, could you uh, introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. So my name's Bill. I'm one of the researchers who works at Cryptonary, and my specialization is in Solana, hence why I'm in this podcast today with our very special guest, Frank, who runs a validator under the name Genesis Co. for the Solana network to get some more information, understand how validation on Solana works. We have some lovely questions prepared for him and then a bit of open free-flowing discussion about some other queries which we have, which we think most of our members and listeners will also have the same types of questions about validating on Solana. Frank, a bit about yourself, if you don't mind. Yeah, I appreciate you guys uh, having me on. Really excited to be here. Um, so yeah, so I, uh, my name's Frank. I'm part of the team that runs uh, the Genesis Go Validator. We've been doing that for uh, since the beginning of, pretty much beginning of 2021. And, uh, you know, we spent a lot of time digging into uh, Solana's tech and, and what they're working on. And, uh, you know, it's just really, really exciting with everything, uh, the direction every, everything is headed. So, yeah, happy to get going and talk through a few things. Great to hear that. Could you also explain how you got into crypto? Yeah, uh, it's actually uh, kind of interesting. So I, my background is largely in uh, like legacy finance. And so, you know, I spent a lot of time you know, kind of in the world in which, uh, the world in which, you know, people are like, oh, crypto, this whole, the whole crypto thing, it's just not something you want to be messing with. And uh, I actually got to like researching, like, what does blockchain actually do? What's the, what's the underlying technology? And, uh, you know, I found the, I found the tech so fascinating. And of course, you know, the, uh, you know, you have the tech and the tech uh, breeds the token. And so uh, it was a natural progression from, kind of indulging my my nerdy hardware side a little bit um, and then uh, moving into like the crypto financial space. Just out of interest, you know, now that you brought up going into crypto, what made you pick Solana to focus on? Because I think we have a very similar background in that, that I've also, you know, crypto has, you have Ethereum, Bitcoin, you can mine Bitcoin, you could, you know, run a validator for Ethereum or what made you pick Solana? What was the that made you go, Solana is why I want to be working on a not something else. Yeah, it's 100% the technology. You know, the Solana team has done a phenomenal job of mixing software and hardware. And, uh, you know, their, their background, you know, they have a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of people spend a number of years, you know, working for Qualcomm, right? And so what they've built and the, net, the network they built and how it relies on uh, the hardware side of things was uh, was truly fascinating. And, uh, you know, the, the proof of history concept um, as an improvement on proof of stake was super, like, super interesting. You know, I think uh, there's one of Anatoly's podcasts. He talks about uh, the, uh, are you familiar with the singularity, the concept of the singularity? 
When you say singularity, do you mean the one-of-one hash so that you can never have collision of uh, the SHA-256 algorithm, or is it something else that we... So it's something a little different. It's when the collective computing power of the world outpaces the collective computing power of all of humanity's brain power, basically. So, I see, I see. Okay. Yeah. And at that point, basically, the, the the theory is that computing power will have evolved beyond our ability to comprehend. And one in one of Anatoly's podcasts, he makes a comment about, uh, you know, how he's very interested in the concept of, of the singularity. And, uh, you know, his hope is that uh, Solana might be one of the harbingers of sorts to to us like this this might actually be the first ripple that we that we're seeing of it i see it sounds very similar to uh, the ai paradox or you know when mm-hmm. people refer to when ai's become sentient yes i think it's something similar to that yes people are pretty scared for that as well right yeah because i mean because you know when you think about it right like if the collective computing power of the world is is stronger than the collective brain power of mankind, then that's beyond our ability to comprehend. And you know, of course, you know, humans are hardwired to be afraid of things that they can't understand. Exactly, exactly. So now that you mentioned computing power, and we're on the topic of Solana, this brings us into, I think, one of the key questions surrounding the Solana network, which mm-hmm. people have been raising. And that's, the level of decentralization which we currently have on Solana. So for our readers which might not be as familiar with Solana, what what I'm referring to here is for Bitcoin, you hear about the hash rates and you have miners all around the world which secure the network. Ethereum, in a similar fashion, most people, you know, they run their own rigs with GPUs which, you know, process the transactions and validate the network. The same principle applies roughly to Solana, but the number of validators or people, you know, confirming these transactions in the Solana network is very low. I think it's around 600 to 700 people, according to the to the most recent posting on the website. So it is a significantly smaller number than what we see for other cryptocurrencies. So what do you think, what's driven us to that level of adoption with only having 600 to 700 validators at the moment on such a performing network? Yeah, so you know, so I think it's it's important right to keep the broader scope of what Solana is capable of in mind. You know, they're supporting like ultimately, you know, supporting like the end goal of supporting fifteen percent of the world's economy is uh, it's no easy task, and of course, it takes a lot of compute power to do that while achieving true decentralization. Now that being said, so there's seven hundred validators on the main network. However, there's another thousand that are that are on the test network right now, and they're actively being migrated over over the span of the next year and a half. And so when you look at the main network and the 700 validators that are currently there, that only represents, uh, you know, roughly a little over a third of the total computing power that is actually there um, for the Solana network. And, uh, you know, on top of that, the network itself, you know, technically this is, it's still in a, uh, in a beta stage, technically speaking. And so uh, that number is going to, you know, continue to grow significantly, especially as the Solana Foundation continues to put focus on bringing more and more validators uh, online. I see. Yeah. So you mentioned that not only the mainnet has validators right now, but also the testnet. Could you explain me a bit more why those validators are on the testnet? Yeah, so yeah, the testnet validators, you know, they're running the the test network, right? It's um, segregated for development purposes as they continue streamlining, essentially streamlining like Solana itself 
fleshing out what it's capable of and really kind of putting it through its paces. However, as Solana like continues to get more and more mass adoption and uh, they start to get much more real world use by protocols, developers, and you know just your end user, the need to have those validators sitting on the test net and just you know solely providing validator services on the test net, um, it becomes less and less. And the need to have them on mainnet becomes you know obviously greater and greater. And so that shift is going to be really critical to, frankly, Solana's success in making sure that they do that, you know, appropriately and and well. So, you know, now that you've explained to us that we have, so the validators on the testnet are effectively there to allow for development on the testnet and sort of stress test network, if I'm correct in assuming that? Yeah. Yep. That's a great way to put it. So why is it important for these validators to move from the test network to the main network you you know you mentioned that we need to improve the performance of the main network and adding validators should do that you know it should help us increase the transactions per second and the 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 block time which you know still is it's really fast but it should just back that but moving those numbers up from having 700 mainnet validators to potentially 1700 you know if you move all the testnet ones across are there any other benefits that would offer and are there any other drawbacks that would offer as well you know because with most things that are positive usually have a drawback it's Mm -hmm. very hard to find a reward without having some sort of risk sure so any any thoughts on that yeah so you know the the obvious benefit right is uh the more validators that are on the mainnet the more decentralized the mainnet becomes you know so you asked originally about uh my thoughts around you know the current level of decentralization on the solana network that is going to, moving those validators over is going to make sure that the Solana network continues to gain more and more decentralization. That's a huge, huge benefit, especially as more people continue to sign on. You know, you can't have a, a pool of validators that are, isn't growing as fast as the network usage is, because of course, then you end up with, you know, more and more transactions being processed by you know, specific validators over and over again. I see. We saw with Bitcoin that a lot of the miners were located in China. This made uh, Bitcoin pretty vulnerable because a lot of miners had to shut down in China. Mm-hmm. Do you know how the Solana validators are spread over the world? And is Solana at risk if a certain country bans cryptocurrencies? Yeah, so, you know, of course, I always think there is broad regulatory risk with with any blockchain network especially because i think uh, large world governments ha- have shown that they're still struggling to understand what blockchain is and you know and how it works and they're trying to figure out how that fits into the way that they're you know they're running their governments uh, now that being said one of the i think one of the great things about solana is geographically speaking it is it's fairly well decentralized actually There's several hundred validators in uh, European region and in the EU. Um, You know, there's uh, actually only a handful in uh, in China at the moment, and then several hundred more uh, in the states. But those are all spread out across the the continents themselves. So, yes, I think you know there's always risk, but I think thus far Solana's been they've been doing a really good job of pushing uh, geographical decentralization as well. So it's a pretty uniform distribution of the miners around the world. So that sort of takes care of the, you know, the regulation. One thing which we've stressed on previous projects in crypto in general is the concept of geographical arbitrage. 
So an example of this is, you know, Miami or Portugal, which are crypto friendly at the moment, yep. compared to maybe China, which is extremely anti-crypto at the moment. It causes an inflow of crypto related people and industries to build in those countries. It's similar to tax havens. So, right. you know, as long as you have that uniform distribution, I don't think that poses an issue for Solana, which is it's good to know. And it's reassuring for the network from our side. And I think this leads on to a question which a lot of people have. And it's been one of my questions since probably around the start of February where yeah. so I got involved with Solana in January. And in February, I started looking at how can I become a validator? So my background is quite technical, I'd say. I've worked with systems, you know, I'm familiar with high performance computers and I've worked doing research, you know, industry level research for the last four years. But yourself being a validator, what are the requirements? Because when you go to sign up via the Solana, you end up having to do a contract, I think. And the details are quite vague and we've never had the chance to really explore this. So any details on your experience with the validate setting up and the process would be really insightful. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, it technically, you know, really anybody can set up a validator. It's just a question of how much, you know, effort are you, are you willing to put behind it? Right. You know, so you need to have passion for building, learning server management, you know, and that's uh, that, of course, you know, as, as you know, right, that's that's not super easy. It just it's a time commitment. You know, you got to love what you're doing and put the, put the work in, you know, and then like for us anyway, like for us, you know, once we had installed the Solana tools, you know, we connected to the uh, to the development network, um, which is kind of, you know, your a sandbox that you can go play in without any risk of, of blowing anything up. So that refers to, you know, the basic process. You've got the Solana command line interface downloaded. You've set up the test net. These things are quite well documented on the Solana website, so you can follow along the instructions. So you get these set up, and now you're on the test net. So what happens afterwards? Yeah, so uh, like once you get connected, you you know Solana has a very high bar for their validators. That's actually one of the other reasons why we decided to build a validator and and focus on the uh, Solana network because they the hardware hardware requirements. You know they're probably. 20 times greater than the next closest, you know, proof of stake uh, chain that has validators. I mean, our, uh, you know, our systems are running, you know, 250 gigabytes of RAM, just like on the average. And so so, just out of interest when, you know, describing these systems, so having a high performance computer myself, and what I mean by this is access to research level computers, which have multiple processors and are used by, you know, Rolls Royce to develop aircraft and things like this, that level of computer. We're not talking about a supercomputer where you have to have a dedicated server base with a support team is it something that you could put in a flat you know in a bedroom could you fit it in there or are we talking about having to build up a full infrastructure and from what you said about the the ram requirements it's clear we're not talking about a desktop you know that's something (laughs) that you'd game on it has to be purpose built that's what we're getting at so there's a bit of investment there right Absolutely. Yeah. There's, there's definitely a bit of investment there. You know, it's, uh, it's definitely not a supercomputer, but as you said, it's also not a, not a gaming rig, you know, to your, your example of, you know, could you put it in, uh, you just put it in your flat and just, uh, and plug it in there. You, you could in the sense that the, the system could fit easily in there. Um, cause you know, our system isn't as far as the space it takes up, uh, you know, it just takes up a rack and a server. Uh, at that point, your problem becomes the internet connection. So you need a you need a, a commercial grade internet connection to really feel confident about setting up a mainnet validator. Uh, home connections what, won't work. 
what's the order of speed that we're talking? So I, I know most places in the world, you know, modernized places should have access to some sort of fiber, which does around 30 to 60 megabytes per second. And then as you get into the higher end ones, you know, optical fiber at the moment, like I have around 300 megabytes a second in my flat. Are we looking at something higher grade than that? Or is that in the range? Uh, definitely, definitely higher grade than that. You're, you're needing uh, gigabytes per second. Uh, wow. Okay. Yeah, for sure. Because we see some of the other, like when you look at uh, overall validator performance, you can always tell validators that are, that are, they have powerful machines, but their internet connection is lacking. Um, like for instance, you know, our max uplink is 40 gigabytes a second. Wow. Now, you know, granted, you know, we use about, uh, you know, we, we can use anywhere from, you know, nearly all of that. We can down to as low as, you know, 400 megabytes per second, just depending on the needs of the network. I see. So that leads to very two very brief questions. The first one being, you know, you mentioned the internet speeds that you achieve in comparison to your competitors. And in terms of hardware, I think the feed's quite level. But in terms of that internet, that gives you an advantage. And, you know, you mentioned something about validator rankings. Could you elaborate about those and where you guys yourself like what that internet speed has allowed you to do yeah absolutely so you know so validator rankings uh you know you kind of you you can rank validators on a bunch of different ways you know the overall apr they're generating you can uh, rank them purely off of how fast they build blocks and you know how um how efficient they are kind of a mix of both is is how you want to look at um look at validator rankings because a validator generates more APR per the amount of blocks they build. Uh, I think that's one thing that's a little different uh, that most people aren't used to when you think about staking just like a regular, like uh, a token, like say radium or a uh, step, right? They, you just, you stake those tokens and you just get your, uh, your APR, whatever that is. But with Solana and, and all layer one tokens, they, pay out their APR based on how fast the validator can build those blocks. And because effectively what you're doing, you know, by staking is you're lending your tokens power to that validator. Validator, yeah. Mm -hmm. So that means that you basically want your machine in the way Solana works to be the leader at all times. So the more times that you're elected to be the leader for a certain epoch in, Mm -hmm. you know, validating the network, the better it is for the people who have staked with you as you get a bigger APR. Because you being, you know, you're playing that role for the network. Yep. So, so we hit our stride about a month ago. Prior, or about a month and a half ago. Prior to that, you know, most of our tokens were were self staked. Even during that time, though, despite the fact that we didn't have very, we weren't collecting very many leader slots because leader slots typically uh, you have to have a certain amount of stake to start getting them. Our validator was still outperforming pretty much everybody else on the network even though we weren't getting those leader slots, just because our performance uh, of our rig is so strong. Now that we're getting leader slots uh, consistently and we have that strong performance, uh, like the last three cycles, our, our validator has been the number one uh, in the world in a row. So if I want to become a validator, what kind of costs are we looking at, like in terms of connection, hardware, and what kind of hardware and yeah. internet are we looking at? So, for instance, our uh, validator is uh, it's got I think 16 cores in it, clocking in at 3.9 gigahertz. However, we had a previous iteration that ran with you know 32 cores. The RAM is the RAM's a big piece. 
like I say, minimum is around uh, two fifty six gigs, uh, which is which is kind of crazy. And then the other kind of the thing we we got really excited about um, is uh, the motherboards that we that we put or the motherboard we put in, mostly because when we fired up our validator, we were building our validator. Uh, that was when the uh, the chip shortage was in like really like really really bad. And uh, at one point, my uh, one of my partners had to drive. He drove four hours to a uh, a micro center store to uh, to pick one up for us. But uh, but overall, I think I think ours cost uh, around twelve thousand to build. Uh, so as far as the internet connection goes, we put ours in uh, a data center in a in a cola location. And so you know if you have if you have a data center nearby that's uh, leases server space, uh, server rack space. Then you can easily get the internet connection that you need. You know, ours runs about fifteen hundred bucks a month for our internet or for our uh, our space in the data center, but uh, it's well worth it. I see the the last one. So we've covered, you know, you, the computer. We've covered the internet. The last thing is you mentioned that, that you need to have a certain amount of tokens, you know, sol to set up a validator. And obviously, with people staking with you, that increases the amount that the validator holds. And it's beneficial for everyone to, you know, stake with a good validator. But yeah. the that initial startup amount, how much are we looking at in that range? It depends. It kind of always depends a little bit on uh, what the network's doing. So your validator burns anywhere between 0.8 to 1 Solana token per day uh, in vote fees. So you need to have enough tokens staked to where you can, if you if you're charging a fee, like a commission fee for your validator uh, to where you're generating more than one uh, token a day. And so that's, you know, that's the thing that I think a lot of people don't quite realize uh, when they stake tokens is that, you know, not only are there sunk costs when you first build the validator and then there's costs for building or for, uh, for the internet connection, but it actually costs you Solana to, you know, about one Solana token a day just to keep the validator online. And so, uh, as I say, you know, that's, that's something that's also different because most people are used to, they just stake and then they get their, their APR. And so when they look at some, they look at some of these uh, validators that are charging fees, uh, they tend to, you know, to stray, to avoid them when in reality, what you're really doing by supporting that validator is you're supporting the network because every time a validator has to shut down because they didn't get, they don't have enough tokens staying with them in order to pay for the cost of the validator. That's one more node that's being taken offline. And that's actually hurting the decentralization and the processing power of the network as a whole. So I want to ask a question related to what you are saying. I mean, not a lot of people might mm -hmm. know this, but I wonder what's actually like the importance of a validator? Yeah, so you know, validators validators are important in the same way that your heart is important, right? They are the they are the literal heartbeat of the network. They power and push data through everywhere. So it's really, I mean, it's not uh, being over dramatic to say that uh, you know the network without validators would not work. They are what provide censorship resistance. They are what allows the network to to build at these incredibly fast speeds because they are the number one source of you know, reliable compute power. And so 
the more validators you have, you know, the better you can feel that, you know, your transactions on Solana are truly uh, censorship resistant. The more validators we have, the better that you can feel that, you know, your transactions are going to go through at, at blazing fast speeds. You probably wonder why the podcast stopped so randomly. This is because we decided the last 25 minutes of the podcast are for pro members only. Thank you guys for listening to the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and maybe learned something of it. If you want to become a pro member, you can always go to cryptonary.com. You'll be able to learn about crypto, get in our Discord, and also listen to the podcasts that are for pro members only. The next episode, we'll be talking with Snowfro. He's the founder of Artblocks, a very interesting NFT project, and we'll be talking about NFTs and other things related to his company. Bye, guys. Enjoy your day.